as I've come into the city, uh, driving through yesterday afternoon, I thought, wow, okay, right. there's still a lot of holes here. <laughs> there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of car parks. So when you, yeah. you suddenly realise, oh yeah, that's like an empty lot, that's considered progress because it's no longer a scruffy old dirt damaged building, um, yeah. and, but it's a car park, which yeah. I guess is not. And then there's quite a few office blocks that have gone up that really have never, they haven't sort of reached potential, like there was one by the square that um, I sort of had a look back to when it opened, and it was, I think, 2018. It still doesn't have anything at the bottom. Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today the detail is in Christchurch with RNZ's Rachel Graham. We're standing by the Bridge of Remembrance on Cashel Street. So, I mean, if you wanted, we could do a wander down, yeah. like, um, that way. And I thought maybe we could go look at some of the, the bad spots, which are yes. sort of further that way a little bit. OK. And then do a little bit of a link round. Does Perfect. that sound OK? It's more than a decade since the big earthquake flattened much of the central city. And I'm here to find the gaping holes, the infamous Dirty 30, what's new, what works and what's happened to the red zone. We begin our walking tour at the Riverside Market, one of the success stories of the rebuild. Hi. Uh, could I have a, a large latte to take away, please? And, what and I'll have, have a, a flat white, thanks. Is that one of the, um, across the road This is there. all new too, basically. <laughs> this is the um, justice precinct, That's they call right. it. So it's the court, police and the emergency services, the um, St John... Uh, based here as well. So, and that yeah. is, that's been quite controversial over the oh, years because yeah. of the budget blowout. Budget blowouts and then problems after they, the budget blowout. Costing $300 million, it was expected to have opened back at Easter. But the project's been besieged by delays, would cost Fletcher's an extra $100 million. I mean, this might show you that we were a little desperate for progress in Christchurch. When it opened, they had an open day, um, which I thought, oh, that might be sort of interesting. We'll go and come along, and there was massive queues. So there was absolutely really? queues everywhere. Yeah, to wander around basically in office. Yeah, it was like, you know, yeah. <laughs> And that is what what would you call it? One of the the anchor projects. Anchor yeah, project. Yeah, that's right. So we had the anchor projects with a big um, announcement, and they did get delayed and delayed and delayed. And some of them are still waiting to see what happens with them. And uh, are they? Yeah. So I mean, there's some that sort of never really have never sort of reached what they were going to be. There was sort of a like a technology area they were talking about, but I guess it's difficult to. Doesn't matter what the government sets up. You need the businesses to turn it into a so that technology quite centre. Work uh, out. It hasn't reached the potential of what no. they said it was going to do. No. There's some of them that have, you know, they've done and that are really are successful. I mean, the mm. Margaret Mahi playground would attract huge numbers of kids and and probably people back into the central city who wouldn't normally, who maybe it wouldn't be in, on your radar. Um, yeah, the stadium was was one of them and. Yeah, but that's certainly been a long-delayed and uh, controversial one too. So, right. yeah. Christchurch Stadium's really turning into a mess, isn't it? It's now projected to cost $200 million more than originally planned, closing in on $700 million. It's also been pushed back again to April 2026. Uh, and now they have cleared the land now, so we're at that point with the stadium. So, so it's going to it's happen. Going to, yes, it's going to happen, yeah. And I guess there's the issues of whether it has a, um, a roof or not. I think they're on with the roof at the moment. There's now um, debate about doing up the streets around it because, as it turns out, that's going to cost another sort of, you know, 20 million, something. I can't remember exactly how much, but a lot just to do up the streets around the outside. And the um, new mayor has sort of been on the fence about whether it's necessary or not, those sorts of things. 
as you've covered the news, the stories on, on the rebuild over the years, does it feel like everything's been a battle, a uh, struggle? Yes, and everything's been delayed. Everything. I think you get to it quite you know, sort of cynical about timelines and it did get to the point where you know we had the ministers in charge of various projects just wouldn't talk about timelines anymore, they wouldn't nail things down because you know we would have a, 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 a sellotaped in our office about when they said things were going to happen and that would come and go, that would come and go so yeah, yeah it, it certainly has felt like there's a lot of things that have been uh, there was a big talk. There was so much sort of um, talk about what was going to happen, I, and, and, and you know, I think it was probably needed because there was a lot of um, uncertainty. As I say, there was a couple of years when Central Central Christchurch was just looked like a bomb site. You know, mm. it just was a, literally just a demolition zone. So you needed. I, I, to get that sort of enthusiasm to get people hopeful about what the central city yeah. was going to I guess for those investors, the shop owners, the people whose offices were going to be rebuilt in the central city. But if we head over this way, do you want to mm. head over and see a little bit more of our, yeah. maybe the work in progress? Yeah, area? yeah let's do that. Right. So up here ahead of us, we've got the Restart Mall, which yes. was the containers, yeah, uh, which we had for quite a while as well. Are they so, gone now? Yep. So that's basically uh, where Riverside is. Yes. Oh, I Sorry, see. Right. So, so Riverside that, was was where the all the containers. Yes, the containers. Were. Yeah, the Restart Mall. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but I did notice coming in yesterday afternoon that there are, oh, I can see it right ahead of me actually on Litchfield. <laughs> There's a, a very old building. Yes. Um, and then there's uh, stacks of shipping containers in yes. front of it. What's that about? Oh, well, that is to stop it from falling on the street uh, if there's another aftershock or earthquake. So, oh. And that has been there for years. So, what is the building? What did that used to be? It used to be an area, there was Soul Square at the back. It was, I think it was a nightclub there. There might have been an office. Yeah. Um, it is one of the ones that apparently is... Um, uh, the work is underway at the moment, and uh-huh. that it's not far off. I think that it was going to be a hotel. Right, um, so they're restoring it. Yes. It's got a very yes. old facade on it, hasn't it? Yes, it has, yeah. But again, no. you sort of get used to it. Drive by it all the time. <laughs> yeah, like. um, and I suppose, it's a, as you say, it's kind of propping up the building while it's being fixed. There's no fear of it um, no. tumbling onto the street. No, that's right. And that's one of the things when a couple of times I've spoken to council people who are involved in the process, they will try and emphasise the fact that often there's a lot going on behind the plastic wrap and the scaffolding and the containers. And I guess that's inevitably going to be it, that you're going to keep it as safe as possible until that moment that they come down and you'll be like, wow, that's actually a finished Mm. building. That one has taken a long time, so... Yeah, well, what is it now? It's 12 years since the... Uh, well, 11, 11, really. So we had the first one in September 2010, what we thought was the, the big one, Yeah. Uh, which actually caused uh, very little damage around the central city. We were really sort of uh, complimented ourselves on how well everything was built and, you know, it was because it was a really massive earthquake. Uh, the, it brought down... There was, remember, there was a big debate about one building in Manchester Street that was quite badly damaged, um, mm. owned by Richard Peebles, who uh, is one of the investors with Riverside. Mm-hmm. And there was a big debate about whether he could knock it down or not. Um, a lot of heritage advocates really didn't want it to be brought down. Um, uh, the February 2011 earthquake resolved that. It struck at 12.51 in the afternoon, lunchtime, with many people on the streets around here. 
It caused widespread damage to buildings and infrastructure already weakened by a powerful quake five months earlier. So really when you look around town, all of this is new. Um, everything's wow. new. And, and what do people say about the redevelopment, you know, about these new buildings? I mean, some of them are good-looking buildings, aren't they? <laughs> well, I think the bus exchange doesn't get a lot of love. A lot of people <laughs> well, are... bus bit, exchange does. No, that's true. Uh, people do miss the old buildings that we had, you know, I guess... Some of them heritage buildings, some of them cheaper buildings that you didn't really think much about. They had a bit of charm, I guess, if you wanted. But they also had very dangerous facades and the parapets and stuff that actually turned out to be really dangerous for people walking down the street. So you you have that issue of of deciding what do you hold on to that's Mm. going to take you 10 years and it's still got a row of containers and scaffolding, or do you knock it down and put up something that's um, maybe a little bit more utilitarian but is there yeah. and usable? Mm. What we're looking at ahead down the street is kind of interesting because you've got that building and then a bit further on there's a big um, mural on a, on a building ahead and that's something that also typifies Christchurch now, I feel, isn't it? The artwork. Uh, yeah, I do think they've made a real effort to try and brighten up some of those pretty grim spaces. We've got another one coming up here um, that you can see over here with a, oh, yeah. a girl blowing a great big bubble. Um, yeah, yeah they, I mean, they are quite beautiful. And I think they, they do make, when you're going to have a blank wall like that for so long, uh, the, you know, the fact that they've opened that up and brought in some of the local artists, often they're local artists that are, are doing them. So, yeah. you know, it's great to see a, a grey wall transformed in mm. an afternoon, which sometimes the council will let people know. And over a weekend, you can come and have a look. But this ever-changing cityscape is bamboozling. So this is... Even for a long-time resident like Rachel. What did that used to be? I can't even... I mean, that's, that's not the Odeon Theatre. No, the Odeon Theatre's over the next one. So we could... Okay. Uh, oh, we can't cut down there, but we can go around the corner. Yeah. Now, we can peer over there, but we won't be able to um, get through, I don't okay. think. But see, I guess around, when you look around here, yeah. as I say, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we're, doing, we're, we're moving along, but we're in right, pretty much the heart of Central Christchurch, and we've got... Uh, you know, a, a blank section over here and a blank section over here. And, yeah. Yeah, and so that building there, that really large one just over there, that is a completely empty building, and it has been yeah. ever since the earthquake. So it hasn't come down. I think that is on the Dirty 30 list, actually. Tell me about the Dirty 30. The Dirty 30. So uh, about four years ago, the council publicly identified 30 buildings which they put on this list. Uh, they didn't call it the Dirty 30 list. That was um, more of the local newspaper gave it that name, a pretty a snappy name. But they are uh, basically saying that people that owned these buildings would need to take action, otherwise the council was going to get tough on them. Councillor Jamie Goth is pushing for the owners of 30 derelict buildings, the Dirty 30, to be shamed publicly and forced to repair or replace their earthquake-damaged buildings. Some people feel that they're being threatened by the council. Good, they are being threatened by the council. If they have genuinely got an insurance payout and they can't be bothered contributing to the rebuild, I hope they feel threatened because they deserve to be. The council had some of its own buildings on that list, so I guess you've got a slightly difficult situation and I guess it identifies how complicated some of these things are. I guess in some ways that identification, that being put on a public list where they they described them as barrier sites and they said that they would um, update it regularly on the website and putting out information about how things had gone Uh, and they said that they would take uh, enforcement action if they didn't see enough progress 
Last time I spoke to the council, they had only done that to one building owner. I think there's 17 still on the list, and there is only three, though, that they say there's been no progress on. Did you say they did have a deadline for doing no. something about them? Oh, No, no, no deadline, deadline, just uh, hanging over them, the yeah. fact that you, if you don't do more, we will take action, and to be honest, that action was a little vague as well. So We've that's got the tram been... coming past us right yeah. now. That's a big moment when they got the tram back out. Was it? Yeah, it was, really. I guess it was um, It was a long time until they could get the tram going around the central city again. Well, when did, it, when did this tram start up oh, again? I'd say, like, maybe two years ago, about that. Oh, I'd wow. Yeah. Not that long, yeah. then? No, not that why, long. Why did it take so long? Did they have to restore the tracks? And... I would... They would have had to restore the tracks and then there would have been all of these fall zones that they couldn't go past because there was a lot of stuff that was, there was a long time when you couldn't, see up ahead we've got a cordoned off area. Yeah. I mean it used to be that every second corner you'd come across a cordoned off area and you wouldn't be able to get around and you'd go back. What's it been so, like for you? I mean was your home badly affected? No, no we weren't badly, badly affected at all. Um, so I'm in North Brighton and... Um, Basically, you travel through an area to get to my home. Red zone area, that was a lot of demolition. And, you know, that was pretty awful for a couple of years. It took them uh, till about sort of 2015 to finish all of the demolition. So, so you had people that, that were told, probably maybe within a year or so, that they, they were made these red zone offers. I mean, people would have been torn about whether that's what they wanted or not. Mm. But I guess as a solution to get you out of a home that's broken, you know, we're continuing with aftershocks, so you'd have the water liquefaction sort of process, bringing the water up again, flooding streets again, all those sorts of problems. So a lot of people, you know, left. Yeah. I think there's 8,000 homes across the red zone that were red zoned. There's one area I come down, Pages Road, and both sides of the roads is red zone, and it's one sort of whole block. And for a long time, that was basically derelict buildings. You know, you go from being a neighbourhood one day mm. to well, a couple of months later, people moving out, uh, systematically moving out, and then the houses just get left while they slowly demolish them. Uh, and that was pretty creepy. You know, you'd come through at night and just this sort of like these houses that looked pretty awful. Now those areas are really lovely. So they've removed the cordons. They're still referred to widely as the red zone, but, you know, I go and walk my dog in the red zone all the time. There's different areas. Are they parks um, now? They're basically parks. Oh. I, I've got a 10-year-old son. He thinks of them as parks, you know. He doesn't park know area. what they were. But no, he doesn't, though. You know, we talk about it sometimes because they're, they're really interesting spots. So you're in basically what looks like a park and then there's a, oh. a road and then there's also um, plants where you can tell this is somebody's prized rose bush or camellia or whatever that's there and fruit trees. There's a whole lot of fruit trees in those areas. People put out guides about where you can get, you know, fijoas and plums and things at certain times of year. So it's really, I think it's a really lovely positive space now. And I mean, I hope it is for some of those homeowners too, because that would be hard for them to Mm. be like, this was where I, we had a family, grew up. And suddenly you were, you had no choice but had to leave. But but hopefully the fact that it does feel like really lovely places, they're quite well used. A number of them have like sort of community activities. People get leases from the council. Oh, they've got like a drone club uses one area. You don't want to go there when they you know with the dog when they're going. But still, uh, remote control cars, various things where people are using the spaces because you've got yeah. people around rather than a great big empty lot with yeah. derelict homes in the corner. Because it is in the state it's in, half built, still got dilapidated buildings, bits of 
that's being restored is, makes it quite an interesting, fascinating yeah, city, doesn't yeah, well, it? Yeah, I guess that's true. When I did the walk around with more of that view of looking at the buildings rather than just going to my destination, it was like, oh yeah, look at that one and look at this one. And, and also doing that flip back in your mind of like, what did used to be there? And trying to just remind yourself about... Uh, you know what? What used to be there pre-earthquake? Yeah. It's, it's quite amazing with these old government buildings. Mm. Look at that. Opened in 1909, and I mean, these I, they they seem to be perfectly fine after the earthquake. Did a lot better than many of the 1980s buildings that were really just a liability. All along here is supposed to be residential. Yeah. You see, we've got a start on it. The next one, if you look on the website, says coming soon or something sort of non-committal so you know obviously we're seeing a bit of a downturn in the housing market um, that may be delayed a bit further. So all that area there is going to be filled with housing and so and and behind over there too the white top buildings that's that's all new and so the aim for the council is to get to I think it's 20,000 people living in the central city and within about sort of 10 years I think that is the aim about sort of 2030s. And finally, we are here, the heart of the Christchurch rebuild, the cathedral and the square. Yeah, it's a bit of a um, construction site here at the moment, isn't it? So this is fairly new too. To be honest with you, over the years in Christchurch, they always seem to be doing something with the pavers in Cathedral Square. So maybe we're just getting back to where we used to be, that there'll be people won't like how slippery they are or how shiny they are or something. Would this be the most vexed project in Christchurch? Oh, yeah, oh, yes. oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the stadium's caused issues, but that's uh, do you want to do it or not? And this is, uh, you know, the Cathedral Square was always the central point of Christchurch. You do so many events that you you do in the square. You know, you might meet up with people there. They'd have various council festivals and things. And now we've got basically a construction site just going on for years and um, years. It's a bit of an eyesore, isn't it? Yeah. And it's getting better, so, oh. you know. So they recently, it wasn't too long ago, they uh, first went in with a remote-controlled digger and they basically cleared out all of that. So it was the first time they could really get in there because they, there was that concern about the safety of, of getting inside. Yeah. Cleared out all of the um, pigeon poo, all of the debris, chairs. Uh, actually also got hold of a whole lot of precious things for the Anglican Church um, that had basically been left on that day that you know people just ran for their lives there was a lot of talk that people had died in the cathedral but because uh, it really did look bad and there was a whole lot of dust and the uh, there was quite a bit of damage to it um, but in fact nobody did but certainly it was one of those buildings that people wanted to steer clear of as much as possible so I mean has that been resolved yet what? Yeah, uh, yep so oh, I mean it has in terms of the fact that they are restoring it I think it started out at about 100 million and maybe now it's at about 150 million that they expect it to cost. I think last time I heard they had about three quarters of that and I guess they're on their way, maybe another 10 years. I I guess that was one of those things that became very, you know, the the church, they were advocating to demolish it and the um, bishop at the time Mm. to build something new and then they did hit up against some, we've got some pretty ferocious heritage advocates in Christchurch and they've had a hard time, the heritage advocates in Christchurch, wanting to hold on to any of the stuff that actually did survive. Uh-huh. Looks like it's got a way to go. It's got a long way to go yeah, I think, I think it's about 10 years that they're saying and I guess we've seen delays before so you never you don't know do you? 
As a resident and someone who's worked here and covered major milestones as well as the controversies and the lack of progress, I suppose, what can you say about Christchurch and the rebuild? There was times when it felt like it was, would never feel like it, you know, Christchurch used to be. There's a lot of construction work going on, but it doesn't feel that far off. We can have those moments when you gather for the, you know, the, it might be the Buskers Festival or various things when you, it does feel like it used to be in Christchurch. There's things to do in the central city and you can, you can actually get back to that feeling of normality. When there was a long time when it didn't feel like it. You know, as I say, when I think about those times, anywhere like this that you would have to be, you've got security with you and you've got your hard hat on. The fact that we've got people back again and can actually, I mean, they're looking at a bit of a construction site. But, you know, you've got a skateboarder over there and you've got some music playing. It does, you know, it it feels like maybe it's not all hope is lost that we can actually get back to the old Christchurch. And maybe we don't want to get back to exactly the old Christchurch. Well, and you won't. It won't be the old Christchurch. It'll never be the old Christchurch, you know, yeah. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Rachel Graham. Ka kite anō.